Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Doing well. Kind of that time's Thursday, so like you, my work week's kind of Sunday to Thursday, so kind of tired at this point, but um, we press on. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So the um, so uh, the Braves have been doing really well, huh? Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, I I hope that they now the World Series title is in the very recent uh, memory. So hoping it's not like the '90s where they just crush everybody and then they get to the playoffs and you know fall. So I'm feeling good about things, but uh, we'll see. There's still some baseball to play. Yeah. So I you know I've been curious that uh, how old were you when you started root for the uh, that Braves or were you kind of was that one thing that you were kind of raised into. The first like memory I have of really paying attention to the Braves um, was actually in 1995. We'd had a Halloween party, and then we were watching Game Six, and I fell asleep. I mean, I was pretty young, and then my parents woke me up like right before the last out, and uh, and I played baseball at the time, and so I was like, "Oh, hey, that's cool. They won." Um, little did I know that they wouldn't win again <laughs> until I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Um, now, yeah, so that, that's, uh, what was 1995? So I guess that was nine years old. Okay. Yeah. So now, um, did you have like, but when you were really young, did you have like a, any brave onesies or anything that your parents put you in? Probably not, um, though I, I haven't seen. Now, my, my son, he did have a Braves onesie. So, okay. Yeah. So he got a tattoo as well. Okay. <laughs> Matching ones. Uh, well, uh, I'm not sure that you know getting a onesie is necessarily teaching, but I, I want to talk about teaching the type of children that might wear a Braves onesie or onesie, or better yet, wear a Boston Red Sox onesie today, Ben. So. <laughs> you don't quite feel the same. Huh? Hey, my nephew had a uh, Cubs onesie, so that's. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother level of awfulness, right? Yeah, you know, I guess because the Braves and the, the Cubs are not as much rivals. I don't really like the Cubs, but um, if it was the Yankees or something, that'd be really bad. Yeah. Yankees or the Mets. But. Yeah. Hey. hey, the Cubs are the only team that blame their failures on a goat. <laughs> anyway, so. Now, how that. Uh, so I actually want to talk about, again, teaching young people today teaching we've talked a lot about you know teaching school-age children and you know and high schoolers and things like that but i mean i think there's going to be some differences with the youngest today and i i think it's an appropriate topic especially given the fact that you know that you guys have one on the way and uh, yeah so you got a little boy coming uh this winter and you know even in our household we've had more interactions we got to be careful what we say but we're foster parents and we've had more interactions with younger kids le- recently than we had in several years. So, But uh, how would you describe your theology, Ben, when you were 18 months old? That's an interesting way to start this conversation. It was probably give me what I want now. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't found any of my writings from those days, so I really, I don't know. It probably wasn't very well developed. Okay. 
So, yeah. So you couldn't have written the whole systematic theology or the institutes of the Christian religion. Uh, yeah, I was not quite quite there yet. Maybe by kindergarten, but... Yeah. You know, I think I would have, in some sense, even at 18 months, I think most people would assume a creator exists. You know, I, I think that's so much core to oneself that I actually think even once one's able to kind of observe that kind of thing, you know, that, you know, something starting and have more object permanence, I suspect there's some degree to which the very young have an awareness of a creator. Uh, you know, I, I think I probably uh, would have, my theology would probably be something that would involve strong opinions about my brother, who was two years older than me at 18 months old. And I know that we were very competitive even at that age and had uh, intense interactions at that age. So uh, there probably would have been some, either either one day maybe my brother would have been like an angel or another day he would have been part of the devil. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, do spiritual things really matter with infants and toddlers? I mean, we we obviously know that uh, that eighteen month old Tony was wrong about his brother, but do these things really matter with those ages? I think they do. I think the difficulty comes in in knowing exactly what can they understand because their ability to express is going to be lower than what they probably actually can take in. Yeah. Uh, but then that makes it hard to, to measure. And what is it they're thinking? How are they processing this? They're more um, more literal, to, you know, and object permanent permanence and abstract ideas and um, all that kind of stuff. So I think it matters. It's just hard to because uh, they're made in God's image, and uh, it's just hard to maybe put all the lines and and, and draw a nice neat picture. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would agree. I think clearly spiritual things do matter at this age. We have, I think, the Bible tells us they do, which we're going to get to. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree. You can't draw a nice clean picture, and a lot of this is really beyond what we understand. Uh, you know, actually, I was uh, talking with another Christian who is navigating, uh, 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 navigating a Christian loved one that has dementia. And, you know, and I am a big believer in progressive sanctification. And my kind of idea of what kind of happens in those cases has always been it's, you know, that the sanctification keeps happening. It's just we don't get to see it in the way that we would see it otherwise. Because kind of that almost like the, the display is cut off to us. Uh, and I think probably there's some degree... Uh, that those kind of things happen with you know with those kind of ages. After all, God's able to work in a soul even when the brain can't you know understand uh, you know that I understand object permanence, which is strange to think, but I think it has to be true. Uh, and what what's interesting to note for me is. And that, you know, again, we're part of, uh, we are resource parents in the state of Maine. And even the foster system uh, across, across the country, they realize and build on the idea that these years, you know, the infant and toddler years are really key years for the rest of life. And so, you know, I think it's unfortunate sometimes that Christians can be the least aware of the importance of infant and toddler years on the rest of life. That's a really good point. I mean, again, it's hard to measure, but yeah, I mean, you've you got a lot of stuff in medical and educational things that talk about that. And so forming attachments and um, you hear about kids in orphanages that aren't held and just all yeah. that. So um, yeah, a lot of wasted opportunities maybe. Um, we'll, we'll get to that though. Yeah. So what does the discipleship of the very young look like in your home or in your church then, Ben? 
Well, in our home, um, I forget exactly how old my oldest daughter was, which is the only one, uh, when we started reading scripture. She was pretty young um, when I started <laughs> reading scripture to her, like before bed, when she was eating a snack. Um, so do that kind of thing. Obviously, we you know, would read books to her, um, singing, praying for her, that kind of thing. And then, you know, as more kids were added to the mix, um, sometimes, you know, we the younger ones were present. Um, they heard what was kind of going on. And so some of the same elements were being um, being at play, even if they couldn't fully participate or couldn't uh, speak English yet. Yeah. Um, in church, you know, I think this is an area where we could improve, though it's we don't it's not like we have nothing going on. Um, we do have some teaching with our kids. Um, there's singing to the, things to them, singing songs with them. Um, we we have our we ask our workers to pray for the kids. We put these prayer posters um, and um, we try to get their encourage their parents to see those things as well. These these scriptural uh, concerns. Hey, pray this for your kid. Um, and so we have, you know, curriculum that, that's going along with what our older kids are learning as well. And it's a simplified version. But, you know, we're trying to do that. Again, I think there's some ways we could improve. But um, so it's not something that's completely neglected. But how about in your case? Yeah, so that's good. So uh, I'd say uh, in both fronts, both in our church and in our home, my wife tends to do a lot of this with discipling the very young, especially in the situation that we've been in recently. And, uh, but, you know, even in the church, she's able to do a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think that we've, you know, we've incorporated family worship and for even the very young, even when some of our kids were very, very young, we would still study the Bible together. We would, uh, we would, we worked on their Hebrew. At least it sounded like they're speaking Hebrew at times. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> that, uh, no, but we, yeah, we'd sing and things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's just something that. Uh, our church, uh, I probably somewhat failed on this lately in terms of having more formal and leading about some more formal stuff in the very young, uh, just in light of the many commitments. And, you know, we I think we'd like to have, as we've developed more formal, younger children stuff, I think we'd like to have something a little bit more intentional with the children. But uh, but we do have some, some come to the whole service at our church uh, that are very young. Some even sing along. Uh, and uh, and some of our kids uh, that are younger uh, do King Cadets, which is our basically our program training up during the sermon, but it's not as much related to that age. So uh, I will say uh, I really like what you've mentioned that your church does. Uh, our church, uh, the church, when I was uh, just a family pastor in Maryland at Westminster Baptist, uh, I think we had a really strong infant and toddler curriculum, in part because I was able to build that kind of thing up. But I think it's great when churches can do that so but what does the bible actually say about discipling really young people does it say that we have to teach them hebrew <laughs> well um i suppose in the old testament that was maybe assumed that they would um <laughs> i think one of the things you see especially in the old testament is this command to teach them and to instill in them God's works and God's word. Um, you see this in Deuteronomy mm. in particular, uh, teaching them and teaching by one, yes, saying these things, but also through the actions of participating in Passover and these <clears throat> festivals. 
And there's even these commands to do this so that you may know. And it was a way of, of this tangible yeah. participation in it. Um, and so even the very young, and, and you read Deuteronomy um, too, and, and it's there's this expectation. It wasn't just the men who were showing up. It was you know singled out the men and the women and the children, um, and even the the foreigner who lives with you and, and this kind of thing. Um, you see this in Nehemiah where they come back uh, from Babylon. Persia, all this kind of stuff that, from exile, and they have like a, a Bible conference basically. And yeah. Ezra gets up there and reads the law, and then they have people who there's a little debate about what they were doing. Were they just translating it? Were they interpreting it and explaining it? Whatever the case was, it, it makes a, a point to go out of its way to say that um, it seems like very young kids were even there. And it's like this is all day thing. They're sitting there reading the, the law. And so the Bible is just assuming that, yes, even the very young, by their participation in these things and hearing these things, um, I mean, the sacrifices, think about that too. Like the family goes to make the sacrifice, like little yeah. kids seeing animals' throats slit open and blood everywhere. Um, and that's – you're going to remember that. I think Now, maybe – not in the same way as like that seems horrifying to to you know some sensibilities in our modern times, but um, seeing, hearing, tasting, all these things were, were part of it. You, making use of their senses, um, but there's assumption that yes, it's not like oh yeah, once they you know hit twelve or something and have the bar mitzvah, then we teach them. Um, so you're suggesting then that uh, to be really faithful to scripture, that we need to sl- that we need to slit an animal's throat in front of ch- in front of infants, right? Yeah, I was going to stop and get a goat on the way home. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe when the baby's born, that could be like in the hospital on the first thing. <laughs> disturbing. And then the nurse comes in and they're like, ah, <laughs> you want some? <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> we're gonna we're about to do the circumcision you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i can think about those are fantastic i think passages i, I thought of uh, a couple different ones actually a couple from the gospel luke uh and i think to me some of these are narratives i think that show the example of you know god working in the very young uh but i i think luke 141 uh, and it's talking about John, that event where John the Baptist leaped in the womb uh, in response to G, in response to Jesus. It's such a weird passage, and, and but I think especially if you translate it, you know, it's not like a it happened to move. It's like actually like uh, uh, that John the Baptist, an unborn child in the womb, at, that chose to act in worship towards Jesus, which is baffling but i think mm-hmm. in that which obviously is something that is impossible by natural man you know i we can't train an unborn child to worship you know that uh, it has to be the work of god but i think in that that weird passage we are seeing that god can do a spiritual work maybe even regeneration through hearing the gospel through those who are very very young and or unborn i i don't want to I, w- I don't want to you know read too much into that but i think there is there's power in that verse. 
Uh, and then I think also of, you know, uh, when the children were brought unto Jesus. Uh, and I think it's Mark's gospel. I, Luke, I had Luke 18, 15 through 17, but I think Mark's gospel specifically notes very young children. Uh, actually, Luke says, yeah, they're bringing even infants to children. And Jesus uh, insisted that uh, the children should be able to come to them and really experience the kind of, the, have the same experience of Jesus that even the adults had. Uh, so I think that's a extremely, and in that Jesus obviously knew the limitations of children. Uh, and, uh, and so did the disciples that were pushing them away. But I think that shows that God can do a work. God can you do a spiritual work in the very, very young children. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think of uh, Psalm 8, I think is uh, some powerful verses. So, and it speaks of kind of God's glory being known in all things and declared. It says, uh, and, and even uses, it talks of an infant's glorifying God. Uh, that uh, the, and it says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you've established strength because of your foes. Is still the enemy and the avenger. So I think we're seeing in that God is able to work his glory, even through the very young. So, and some odd passages. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, what what kind of theological uh, truths do we need to keep in mind with discipling this kind of age group? To me, the biggest picture, biggest foundational kinds of things like God, humanity, sin, Jesus, salvation. Uh, you can get into the church uh, depending on their age. I mean, with a a one year old, not as much, but um, but give some time and people can understand, oh, this is God's people and this kind of thing. Um, I think, too, we want to remember that they're sinners, but they're also not as hardened by sin as someone who's older who's had more time to walk in the patterns of sin or to have a a hold in their life. And so I think it's more unique to Western culture, but we can view children and especially the very young as like super innocent. And there is a sense that they're not as in intentionally devious um as you know as like some kind of terrorist um but they still do sin and so we we have to remember that it's not like they're just in this age of they just really want to do what's right all the time like you don't teach them to be selfish they just do it naturally hey hey pelagia said that when they cry without a reason they're crying out from infant baptism (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, um, yes, I'm hoping that my son here in, in a few months will not be crying out for uh, baptism. <laughs> he will realize, no, dad's not going to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> just get quiet. Don't bother. Um, but uh, I think that those would be the biggest things that rise to the top for me. I mean, those biggest picture foundational issues and not like, you know, your, your views of, you know, lapsarian views or some things like that. I mean, that's just beyond this abstract beyond what they're going to take in and and nor does it really make a huge difference in them, um, obeying you and trying to obey God. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are not saying those things don't matter at all, but like, who is God? Well, that's a lot more important than, well, what yeah. was the time, God's relationship to the fall and the timing of it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, ben had made a little slip up though, because he meant to say the most important thing is, is slitting the animal's throat and them and seeing them. <laughs> so, uh, that's right. Yeah. I would agree with you, especially on the importance of understanding total depravity. Cause we need to see, again, we present kids as like, they're just innocent, you know, 
but you know they are you know they're i think i think we're born inheriting even the sin of adam and uh, i think romans 5 seems to teach that uh and so you know these cute little kids yes they're precious and god made them precious to keep you know so we put up with them but they're definitively sinners so so uh, i've heard some call them vipers and diapers <laughs> That's great. I like that. So, uh, and I, I think another thing that we need to keep in mind, theological truths, is we need to keep in mind that uh, even though they are great sinners, we have a great spirit that can work in regeneration and transformation, uh, even in ages where we wouldn't expect. So it's not about, it's not, you know, just in the same way that like Finney was really wrong. Charles Finney uh, treated salvation as basically just kind of putting together a, uh, a mathematical equation. And, uh, and, and, and I think that's wrong because it gave people assurance of salvation, but also it's wrong because it forgets that God can work in those we don't think that we would feel like are beyond that kind of work. So, uh, But even if it's not necessarily salvation yet, I think God can use his means to make an impact on even infants and toddlers. Uh, but I think also another thing is kind of eternal mindedness. Rather than the absorption and the cuteness of the age to, ki- to kind of consider your child's eternity. Because, I mean, they are not going to, you know, their nature is not the nature of just adorable little <laughs> baby and uh so mm-hmm. anyway so but why why do you think uh one thing that i find fascinating with navigating these ages is that often it's extremely difficult to get people to teach these ages i uh, uh, maybe you've not seen the same thing but i know i know even nationwide even for school systems it's really hard to get people to do that so why do you think so few people want to teach these ages and what can change that then I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, one, they have very low attention spans often. Um, it can be hard to corral them. Sometimes they can have very bad behavior. Uh, and I I think depending on some people who've been in that setting for a while have noticed changes. And I think I've noticed some changes. And I mean, I haven't been in it for ages. Close, to, well, been in pastoral ministry for close to eight years and then done stuff with kids before that. But um, some general generational shifts um you see just with kids in general um they can be really messy um and sometimes you can feel like there's little to no return on your investment because they can't always express to you man that was so helpful you know mr so-and-so Ms. Yeah. so-and-so when you pointed the thing out about like i was really struggling with that but man that really that was what i needed today mm-hmm. and so i just thank god for you like that, that's not going to happen with little tiny kids um and so it just can bring a lot of challenges, and it's it's not always um, maybe what you feel like you're putting in is not necessarily what you feel like you're getting back, and so I think that and other things. I think what can change it. One of the things you said really just struck with me, and and again, it's not like our church is neglecting this or that we neglected as a family, but I mean, I could get discouraged or just think, well, you know, it's little kids, what do they know um, at times, but you pointed out how this recognition in the wider world of the the pivotal, um, vital time that is those early years and, and the things that reality is being shaped and framed for them, and um, yeah, there's just so much that again it, it you you can't see it right then but it does bear fruit with time 
And so um, helping people to come to terms with that. And like you said, not just, okay, this is how God has made things, designed it, but also, so we have, a, there's a great spirit and a great savior and God is at work. And so like, we have a big God. Um, that's, that comes to the top for me, but what do you think? Yeah. So the, I, I think there are a couple of things. So I, I think that uh, in my experience, first off, I have definitively seen this. I have definitively seen this, especially with toddlers. <clears throat> Nobody wants to work with toddlers. <laughs> and uh, I think even more than infants. You can hold infants and uh, but toddlers. It, you can yeah. find plenty of ladies that want to hold a baby. Yeah. yeah. Toddlers are a little trickier. But uh, I, I think that uh, a part of this, they can be a lot. You know, it's. Yes, there's complexity of older kids. You know, for example, even high schoolers. High schoolers have real drama sometimes. But if you're serving in, in youth ministry, you know, it's like a lot of ways it's, you know, it's not as stressful and not your problem sometimes, you know. Whereas you can't avoid the toddler's toddlerness. Uh, and uh, it's going to impact you. So, uh, and I think also, um, but I, I think it can, again, be a lack, like you said, of awareness of the impact we're having. But I think a right theology and biblical teaching on this kind of age group can help this and help one understand that what's happening, it makes a difference. And especially if it's very hard, you're making a difference. But uh, that, uh, And I think also knowing how much parents are served can hopefully change that. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, frankly, part of, you know, the, the person that's like, man, toddlers are so much work. You know who else knows that? Their parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know who's struggling to go to, to worship any Sunday? Their parents. <laughs> and so I, I think I think connecting those two to, you know, actually, to me, the, even that, the calls of the theology of the one another's and our call to serve one another's. So. I, that's an excellent point. So I want to ask them, does a crying baby belong in church, Ben? And how do we navigate the worship service with those who can't read and don't understand? I would say, yeah, um, baby belongs in church, even if the baby's crying. I think if it gets to the point that the baby's just not con being consoled, just for the sake of others, it is helpful to step out, maybe try to try a different environment. Yeah. Um, but if the baby's making some noise here and there, I think that's a different situation. Um I think we can let young kids and let their parents know that they are welcome. Um, hey, it's okay. If your kid's going to make some noise, you're going to move around. You're probably way more self-conscious about it than anybody else. And so, yeah. and we've done that from time to time. Um, we have some families that they they've brought their very young kids in, and uh, their their oldest kids I think are two or three now, and they come in, and I mean they are excellently. Um, behave, but for them it was just a priority, and so I've tried to affirm that to them, like, "Hey, that's great." Um, but also others that, you know, um, at different points for various reasons, that hey, it's okay if, if they need to get up and get a children's bulletin in the middle of it. That's no problem. And I'll say, you know, if I'm the one preaching, which is occasional, or if it's um, our senior pastor, I've said he's told me this in private. Uh, he's told me this many times. He's like, I don't. I I don't notice them. I, I don't care if they're crying. I'm just glad they're there. You know, like it, yeah. it does not bother him. Um, and so just emphasizing that to them. I think praying for them out loud, just acknowledging they're here, praying that God will work in their lives. Um, and then for, for parents, I, I think encouraging them to explain, okay, this is what we're going to do. 
um, that kind of thing, um, and even make targeted applications in those. Now, yeah, the baby is not picking up on it, but you know, if you got a three-year-old in there, I mean, you can just say, yeah. "Kids, yeah. you know, boys and girls, listen up. I want to talk to you." I mean, listen, you know. Um, I mean, Luther talked about how if people complained about his preaching not being, you know, erudite enough, he was aiming for the slave girls and you know, children and this kind of thing, um, and so. I even heard somebody like D.A. Carson say – now, this is a little higher than toddlers, but he said, you know, make your preaching the target like a, a smart 14-year-old, you know? Um, yeah. And that's something I, I don't always do, but trying to think when I'm preaching some kind of application point for teenagers or for kids. Now, I haven't thought so much about toddlers, just the culture of our church. We don't have that many people who are that young in there. Um, but yeah, I think if, if that's the case – try to um try to address them so i don't what do you think it's good so yeah i mean it will shock nobody listening that uh i i think that the bible is clear that everyone is welcome in church uh we you know we personally didn't at the infant stage have our children you know children in church at that that young usually uh but uh you know i i don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that even if they are fussy and, you know, that doesn't mean that you should try to get them fussy <laughs> or that, you know, you don't make uh, it's not wise to remove momentarily. But, you know, even if they're fussy, I mean, none of us get kicked out of church when we're fussy, <laughs> when we're when we're difficult. And we should not for those who have little control over it. So uh, but, you know, I think that the age these ages I get more than we know they get from it. Even the even even the one that can't can't speak English just yet because I think I mean that uh, word is I think Paul, I think First Timothy says preaches one speaking the oracles of God so I think clearly that uh, this is that the Bible is that when the Bible is being preached is not just a merely an act of man and so the Spirit can work it in it uh, actually I've heard uh, I remember somebody told me one time. That uh, about uh, they were complaining about somebody who had an infant in the worship service, uh, and they said to me, "Well, what does it matter? You know, if if they're going to poop their diaper in here, if they're going to poop their diaper downstairs, what difference does it make?" And and I think it does make a difference because they're not just going to poop a diaper, you know, they're also going to be formed in the image of Christ uh, as Christ is working in certain cases. And, uh, you know, we should not be arrogant enough to claim that we know fully what's going on. So, and then Mm -hmm. lastly, uh, you know, I, I, I think I just will say personally, I think, I will say, I think one could make an argument that those who can't read, uh, not being not being in the worship service, is probably a little bit different from those who are children that could understand literally what's going on. Uh, you know, that that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be welcome. But you know, I, I do think to some degree uh, the argument the argument that infants can be in church is not the same argument as saying that an eight year old should be in church. Yeah, there's there's a difference. Yeah. So now, uh, what can parents do uh, to be intentional but realistic when discipling the tiniest? Should they recite passages from uh, the Institutes of Christian Religion while they cut the lamb's throat? (laughs) Yes, in the Latin version. Um, I think you want to pray, pray specific prayers for them, pray regularly and targeted things. 
as you try to teach them, whether it's in a formal sense or just kind of as you go. I think both are good and, and necessary. But be simple. Not simplistic, but be simple. Yeah. You don't need to nuance everything. And um, just be, God is really big. God loves you. Yeah. He loves you always. He loves you to the end. Just, you know, those kinds of things. Um, be brief. Um, you don't need to give these expansive things and uh, just be brief. Um, be regular, just looking for opportunities to point their attention to the Lord. And I think, too, I mean, I've heard, again, I mentioned D.A. Carson earlier. I've heard him say this, and I've found this, I think, to be true. Uh, that I mean, I've taught a lot of things over the course of my life and my ministry, yeah. and even like with my kids. They don't remember everything that I've taught them. But they do remember what you get excited about. Mm. And so Carson talks about, you know, make the gospel the thing that you are most excited about. And so in the gospel is about Jesus. And so it's not just a set of ideas. And so being in awe of God and that, that God is there and that God is loving and God is good and God sent Jesus for you and for me. Um, and being amazed at that. Because, I mean, kids in particular, um, they, they are – struck with awe more than sometimes adults are because you know they're especially little ones they're they're learning new things and seeing they're like oh wow i didn't know that i mean they just they're not they're not blank slates but there's a lot of writing that's not done on the slate and so they're absorbing this kind of stuff and so as I, and i've found that sometimes um just recently with teaching the bible to kind of young kids like k4 through second grade um i i did i was in there two consecutive weeks with them and one week they just it, we had a lot of new kids in there, so they weren't kind of familiar with how we did things. Some of them were very young. Um, but then the next week, we talked about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I don't – it's hard for me to know this, but I just wondered, was it like the kind of weirdness and awesomeness of that stood out to them more than – I can't even remember what it was we talked about the week yeah. before. But, I mean, they just were fixed on me. And it's not that I'm like this amazing preschool teacher yeah. or something. Um, but it was just like, wow, there was a guy that was dead and then Jesus made him come out to life. Like that's pretty cool. Um, and so when we're amazed, I think it helps them to see, oh, yeah, this is something to be in awe of. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree with what you're saying. I especially say, you know, I am the guy who pushed family worship. I need to do it more consistently somewhat in our household still. But I, I do think short times of family worship. The I think there's an argument. I mean, keep for, keep the sermon to like seventy minutes. Exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, the <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think having family worship, you know, five or ten minutes at most, I think is wise at those ages, uh, and uh, maybe maybe it would be less so when they're you know fifteen. But uh, I, I do think also we should. You mentioned you know they get excited about what we get excited about, and they do in the gospel. But I think get them excited for church. Even if they don't do great in it initially, you know, I, I actually, I mean, we've had a, a child that's been connected to our lives that, you know, we were working with this child to get this child excited about church. And, and we remember this child uh, recently uh, on the way to church uh, that this child yelled out, yay, church, at a pretty young age. Uh, when they saw they were pulling into church. And so I think this is something that can happen. It can become significant for them, and we can try to make it significant for them. Uh, I also think even another thing that parents can do little is 
be intentional in choosing healthy uh, Bible saturated music that is simple at the same time. They will often love it. Uh, and even pick good shows. You know, a lot of there's a lot of parents will put on for you know the third two or three year old a uh, you know a lot of Bluey and Bluey's fine and or whatever it is. But you know there are good Christian shows that are even meant for very young kids. I think of uh, Theo Presents. Theo Presents is a great resource for that. So yeah, good ideas. Now, what impact can seeing Christians live faithfully have on the very young? I think they can see this is normal, this is plausible, this is true, this is good, um, things like that. They're just going, oh, okay, all right. And seeing their parents do it, okay, this is, oh, they just kind of take it for granted, but then seeing other people do it too, oh, okay, like there's other people that do this. Um, and I, I remember being at a conference several years ago, and uh, John Piper was on a panel. You know, John Piper has a PhD from this German university in the New Testament, um, which was not like friendly towards taking the Bible as, as completely reliable, but he believes that it is. And he was asked the question, why do you believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God? And so, you know, I'm kind of gearing up for this sophisticated yeah. answer. And he was like, because my mama told me so, mm. you know, from sitting on, on her lap as a kid reading me the Bible. Um, so he was small enough to fit in the lap, and you know, then he went on to say some more things. But just he was encouraging the the women that were there, um, don't don't um, undermine the role that you have, and, and just framing reality for your kids. Um, so those are some of the things I think to me that that stand out the most. Those very young, they just see like, oh, okay. And, and again, you you are helping set the borders of of what. It, is true and um, at least what's plausible to them and 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 let, I think it'd be kind of an unusual situation um, early on for them to not accept what you're telling them I mean there could be exceptions yeah. to that but in general early on they're just gonna take what you say for granted and um, so you're helping to, to lay that foundation yeah I would add to that uh, you know I, I think some other ways that we can have this impact of kind of faithful Christianity around children leading to faithful Christianity in children actually often can be seen in, in our prayer lives around children. Uh, you know, we have seen a multiple toddlers in our household, you know, when we spend time in prayer, even times in dinner and prayer where, you know, a toddler will, pray, you know, do their own little prayer and get excited about it. And I think that matters. Uh, but I, I think much of parenting in this age then is really depicting normal human experiences in general. I mean, that's often what's taught. That's why you need a stable household. But And so then how important it is, just like a John Piper's mama, uh, to make part of the normal human experience uh, to be glorifying God, to be doing the things that God asks us to do. So uh, I think this then means that we should expose our young people infants and toddlers to many believers to see show them that this isn't just what mom and dad do this is what what you know mom and dad's friends do this is what you know these strong christian people that are my lives do mm -hmm. so, uh now uh how should discipleship of the very young look different from older ages um i think that as the kids get older obviously you can get more abstract and there are abstract things in Scripture. We talk about the Holy Spirit or just other things that are more 
at least in our minds, they're conceptual. They're real, but you do have to be able to understand concepts and not just an object. And um, Jesus was a man. He rode a donkey into Jerusalem. Um, but he's also the eternal son of God, one with the Father yeah. and the Spirit, <laughs> yet distinct from them. I mean, you can get into some more of that because they can piece these things together in their minds in a way they can't yeah. when they're younger. You can get them to reflect more uh, about their own hearts and lives. You can probe issues further and get some more personal reflection. I mean, every now and then you throw out a question to some young kids and you're kind of surprised at the level of, I, I guess, putting the pieces together um, mm -hmm. that, that they can do. Uh, I remember reviewed um, David and Sally Michael and several years ago, and Sally was telling the story about something in the church nursery. So we're talking preschoolers, and you know they had the fighter verse system, and with the pictures, and the you know this class had been going through, and one of the things is that there's a number two. No one can serve two masters, mm -hmm. and some other question came up, and uh, it wasn't directly related to that text. Um, and she said this little boy was like jumping up and down, pointing at the the number two, and he's like, "No, no, you know, J Jesus is the Lord. Like he's yeah. the only boss." And they had not connected that for him, but I mean, that just showed the Holy Spirit somehow working in this kid's life. Um, and so we shouldn't just diminish like that's not going to happen at all. But I mean, you would expect more out of a fifteen-year-old than out of a you know two-year-old. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, yeah. Um yeah, I, I think with this, like you said, small chunks and more basic truths. And, you know, and even if we do give them good chunks, you know, I think we have opportunities to bring these things over and over to them, but also at different times of the day. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think there are some great resources on this. But, uh, uh, but yeah, again, I also think that uh, a lot of this is really just going to be that, uh, um, uh, you know, um, avoiding making kind of faith assumptions, uh, but at the same time, keeping those core truths a core, keeping those part of their kind of their DNA in a way. So, uh, and now connect this back to church again. Uh, is nursery as mere babysitting a wise decision for churches in light of all that we've talked about and learned? Uh, I think it's a big waste of opportunity. Not that... Um, Again, it's hard, and I think it can be easy. It, you're tired, and you're trying to corral them. It's just easier to let them play. And I think that there, it's entirely appropriate to let kids in the nursery play. Yeah, uh, they're not going to sit there while you preach to them for sixty minutes. Um, but yeah, if that's all that it is. But I mean, you can even capitalize on that as they play. Like, oh, let's sing a song together, and you know, it's sing Jesus loves me or some other songs. Um, and again, you can help their parents who hopefully are doing this and obeying the God-given mandates to, to teach their children the Lord's ways and um, his promises. But you're helping to frame reality, setting the borders and, you know, again, someone else who's speaking the truth into their life. And so, and, you know, and you don't know what the home situation for all the kids may be. And so for some of them, it may be the only opportunity for them to hear about Jesus for the week. Um, maybe their parents aren't believers or the parents weren't raised with parents who did that or they're young in their faith. They're trying to figure out – I mean there's just so many different variables, but it's like, well, let's take advantage of the opportunity. Like an example I was talking with about Susan, um, my 
assistants or kids director, uh, we want to revamp our library in the nursery. And we have many yeah. good books in there, and we've been trying to, to add good books to that and um, kind of maybe need to weed out some. Not that they're teaching false doctrine, but like one of the, the ones that I kind of go to as an example if we need to do this, we have a – you know those books that go through the alphabet like A is for alligator? Yep. Okay, well, we have – we have a master's version of the alphabet. And I mean, that's fine, but I think someone probably just like gave it to the church, you know, we're in Augusta and it's like, I mean, again, it's fine. It's not sinful, but instead of reading to them about, I don't even know what the A was for, uh, Amen Corner or something, but um, (laughs) let's like A is for the alpha, you know, God is the beginning. Like, so it was just kind of a wasted opportunity. Yeah. That's a good point. So, yeah, I I definitely agree that it's a waste of opportunity, but I, and I worry that it happens too much. That you know, too often in churches, that you know, even if there's a focus on we, you know, we really teach the kids, well, we don't really teach the little kids, or if we do, it's just kind of basic life, you know, basic life principles. You know, mommy loves you. You know that uh, eat, that uh, the you know. Don't hate your friends or whatever, which actually I think the simple things we should focus on should not be the moral principles of those age, but should emphatically be the gospel principles more. So uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, and character and the roots of and nature of God. So uh, the earlier we get to Bible teachings, the more normal it will become. And I think that's part of why we should do this is because it doesn't become strange. It becomes this is always, you know, I think there's beauty when churches do that kind of thing and teach even the youngest that you know they know that that there's no point where they're like huh i gotta sit through a lesson now you know i mean there's it's just a progressing towards we're teaching the bible and they know that they expect that even in the way the little person expects it so uh and i think Mm -hmm. they again they can benefit from it more than they more uh than we realize even if they also benefit from a little bit of more play than we would have although i'm sure upstairs in the worship service uh we probably would also enjoy some play at times right and a snack. I know. I want a snack. Totally. <laughs> so, what are some good resources to help discipling the very young? I think using the actual Bible is a real good one. Um, now, I would use a, a smooth translation. I just really, I mean, unless you got really, really, really strong convictions on this, I wouldn't use the King James. Um, I would use a probably not the kind of Bible you would use for a study session. Um, real smooth translation and read it in short chunks um also good story bibles like the big picture story bible is good um what's that other one the sally lloyd jones um that's another one and there's plenty of them out there um seeds music uh is another one we we had jason hauser from seeds on here it's word for word uh scripture and and it's not like barney style music so now kids i mean kids just Little kids enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like, do you know uh, Little Baby Bum? I don't know. Okay, so that got us partway through COVID. So um, <laughs> our youngest was had just turned three, like as the world shut down, and was he's a pretty attuned kid and could tell things were different, and you know, um, he, he was just struggling some, and 
um, anyway, we ended up turning on these little baby bum videos, and it's just like dun dun, you know, nursery rhyme kind of tunes mm-hmm. that most adults probably don't find the most pleasing. Um, but it helped calm him down, and it helped us all. And um, now, so I mean, there's the time and place for that. Uh, but also, seeds is maybe something mom and dad might enjoy listening to a little bit more too. Um, but you know, different styles of music yep. in there, but word for word scripture. Um, another one, I've only listened to it a little bit, but it seems pretty solid. Uh, rain for roots. Yeah. I really um, like rain for roots. That was going to be one of my suggestions. Okay. Um, we mentioned fighter verses a minute ago and they have like a simplified version for like little kids, like no one can serve two masters. Um, I haven't looked at those in a while, so I can't remember all of which, but I mean, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, like very foundational kind of things. It's not just random Bible verses, but trying to help build um, uh, a theology for them. Um, another one, another just a, a publisher that makes good stuff, New Growth Press. Mm-hmm. Um, they have board books for kids, uh, like kind of zero. They, they have it broken down by age range, and so zero to three. And so they have different ones like with Easter and Christmas and um, just in general Bible stuff. Uh, and then from like the four to seven range, they have which so you're still preschool um, in some of that. But good news for little hearts, these stories about animals and um, different issues that they encounter with anger and greed and stealing and things like that, that I mean, even pretty young kids can grapple with. And it kind of gets to the heart of some of those things yeah. and, and talks about Christ. So just some, there's plenty of them out there. Um, I don't know. Do you, you use the Latin uh, institutes or? Exactly. I do. So, yeah, no, I would, add, I think those are all good ones. I would add, you know, I definitely really like rain for roots. We use that in a curriculum that I made for that age uh and i think it's an excellent thing a newer one that i think is really great is uh, the beginner's gospel story bible uh by jared kennedy uh who that's new growth press right yeah yeah it's new growth press so and he was on the podcast a while ago so as well oh that's right yeah yeah a long time ago then i also put there's uh, a christian focus has these little books called uh the, the learn about god board books and so we actually bought all of them for you know a young person in our life uh and you know it's just like one of them is god has power one of them is god is kind uh and just kind of repeat that and connect it to kids through these little board book little one sentence you know half a sentence things so i think they're really sweet and really helpful mm-hmm. so, anyway so well, I hope that uh, our listeners benefited from this. I enjoyed this conversation. And, uh, you know, I might even enjoy listening to some of these uh, infant and toddler uh, music. I don't know what that says about me, though, Ben. Well, well it may be a stressful day. You get your little snack and listen to you know, a little baby <laughs> bomb or something. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Things are okay. That's uh, wonderful. Well, uh, that, uh, I hope listeners benefit from this. And, but I enjoyed our conversation today, brother. It was good. Yeah, thanks for bringing this up. Amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.